And now it's time for the Sports Kings from Queens. Welcome aboard, everyone. We're going to take you around the world of sports. We are the Sports Kings from Queens. Today's Wednesday, September 21st. I'm Gino. I'm joined with Darren and Kevin. And you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook. Send us posts, thoughts, questions. Start a sports debate with us. Get us involved with you. We want to talk to you. We want to hear from you. Today, we're going to start with some baseball. And if we're going to start with baseball, we got to start with two words. And the words are all rise because Mr. Judge is on fire. Number 60 last night in game 147. Kev, why don't you take it away? Uh, incredible. It, what Judge is doing this year is just incredible. There's no other way of putting it. So I'll talk about your best ever uh, contract year. I mean, who else has hit 60 home runs in a contract year? On his way to, I don't know, 63, 64, 65? I think 66. I'm going to say 66. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, On Monday, Aaron Judge led all of Major League Baseball in nine categories. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I mean, he he led all of Major League Baseball in home runs, runs, RBIs, on base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, total bases, extra base hits, and war. And as of last night, he's right on target to win the AL Triple Crown. It's just amazing. And I know a lot of people are going to tell me that Otani needs to get that MVP award. I'm not so sure that that's the case. This is becoming a historic season for Judge. What do, what do you guys think? And the one thing I'll add to it on Monday night, Judge was the first guy ever to have five balls with an exit velocity of over 110 miles an hour in a game. I know they haven't kept that stat wow. for a long time, but five, five swings, five balls hit over 110 miles an hour. Amazing to me. And, yes, Otani's great, no doubt about it. Awesome pitcher, awesome hitter. Judge is 20 home runs clear of anybody near him. I mean, it's that historic a, a, a stat that he has going on in the season he has going on. Okay. Otani's a, 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 a historic player. What he does when you combine the offense and the pitching, it's never been done before. I mean, Ruth, all the comparisons are to Babe Ruth, but Ruth was a pitcher first transition to a hitter. He never put up numbers like this in the same season as Otani does. Given that there is 100% no doubt that Aaron Judge is the MVP this year. The Yankees, I don't know if they'd be a playoff team without Aaron Judge. You look at that lineup, he's really had nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but he's had a lot of black holes in that lineup that without Judge, where would the Yankees be? He's batting leadoff. (laughs) He's leading off. They get him extra at-bats because he's the guy that really carries the show. He tells you everything you need to know about a six foot seven power hitter. He's leading off. Couldn't even fathom that back in the day. Anything else going on, Kev? Well, if it's on the subject of home runs, let's talk to another guy with home runs. Albert, Albert Pujols, 698. Two away from 700. He's got to get to the 700. Everybody's rooting for him. Everybody's rooting for him. He's one of the guys that you think has been clean his whole career. He had that. He had what we always thought was a career arc. You know, he was. He came up. I mean, he was great from the start. Real, 
just a great player through his 20s and started declining in his 30s. And every year got a little bit worse through his 30s. That's what, when we grew up, that's what we expected from a superstar ball player. Not Barry Bonds, where he got better as he got past his age 35 season. So I think that's why everybody's rooting for Albert Pujols. And, and the Angels years weren't great for him. He was a great Cardinal. He was a good Angel when he started, and it became a, you know, he's only in the lineup because they're paying him a lot of money. <laughs> and now he's back in St. Louis and where he belongs, and hopefully he gets to the 700. And and speaking of home runs, tonight we're film we're recording this on September 21st, 21 years ago, a great home run, Mike Piazza. The first game after 9-11 against the Braves. Well, Steve Carse, who Gino and I both played Little League with. I was on his team. You played against him. But Steve Carse was the pitcher of that night. College points own. Just kind of a funny story for us because we grew up in College Point. I, I still think he grooved that pitch to Piazza. <laughs> he had to. He might have. <laughs> but, uh, but, Just you know, one of those things. 21 years ago when everybody needed to return to normalcy and Piazza just crushed one to I think it was straightaway center if I remember right, and yeah, just, it might have been just to the left of the uh, of the apple, but it was out there, right there, yeah. dead center. It it was just it was what was needed for especially for New York after what happened just uh, ten days prior. Man, magical moment, magical yep. moment. Uh, before we get to the pennant races, one other interesting what thing. Else? End of September, it looks like Canada will be lifting the VAX rules, which means that any games in Canada, if Toronto happens to host any, other teams visiting will not have to worry about their rosters, about having players ineligible to travel with them up to play Toronto. Could imagine be what it would be like. series. <laughs> you can only imagine what it would be like if teams weren't able to field the full team in the playoffs. It would be a, a nightmare. The sad thing is that sports is changing the rules. I mean, but it's it is what it is, and they get ready for the uh, hockey season and the NBA season, I guess, as well. Yep. So with baseball right around the corner for the playoffs, we've got about two weeks left in the regular season. Looking at the American League, uh, Yankees as of Wednesday afternoon were leading by five and a half. They look pretty safe. Cleveland has stretched their lead to five games. Unbelievable. Um, I, they look like they're going to win that division. Houston, we know, is, has already clinched. The wild card really comes down to three teams, Jays, Rays, and Mariners. The Orioles have slumped to five back. White Sox are five and a half back. So I think it's really going to be those three teams, Jays, Rays, and Mariners. I mean, so here's my question to you. I'm going to pose it to Gino. Who's the best of those three teams? Who do you not uh, want to face as a Yankee? <laughs> uh, I think it's Toronto, honestly. Toronto, I think, is the team that that scares me the most. Uh, the lineup is stacked. If some of those guys get hot, Bichette gets hot or Guerrero gets hot. I know he, Guerrero actually hit number 30 tonight. Uh, those guys can just mash, and that's a team I don't want to face. Kev, what do you think? Kev, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the Rays, the, the Jays have the best team. They, like you said, the between Guerrero and Bichette, those guys, if they get hot, they can just carry them to a series win. The Rays, 
scrappy team. They played the percentages as bad, as good as anybody in the league. Mariners have some good pitching that can contain some teams, but I don't see their offense as good as the Jays. So I think the Jays have the best team in the wild card. Darren? I I agree with you. The, my my one thought is that last night the Blue Jays scored more runs than twelve NFL teams did this weekend. They put up an eighteen spot. Uh, you know and, and that offense is explosive. Now the best pitcher, uh, the best starting pitcher, and the best overall pitching will come from Tampa. Seattle's good, but Tampa's better. All right, on the rotation, in my opinion. Uh, Toronto's pitching has been good, but it's not great. And you always wonder in a, in a short series, in a three-game set, who is good hitting going to be good pitching or, or, or vice versa. But I would have to be inclined to agree with the, uh, the the Toronto Blue Jays being the team I don't want to play. And once again, you're in a situation where Houston's going to have to play that team because the Yankees most likely are going to sit there and end up with the Guardians. And I'm not saying Cleveland's not a good team, but – the way it works out is Houston gets punished for being the best team because the wild card team is better than the division winner in the central. Just one man's take. Yeah. Then so, turn to the National League. We'll save the other we'll save the pennant race for last. Uh Dodgers we know have clinched. The Cardinals are all but clinched in the central. Mets Braves. Today, we're recording this after the Nationals helped the Mets out by beating the Braves, but the Mets cannot take advantage. Broke their six-game losing streak. Got shut out by the Brewers. Uh, still one game with uh, about 12 left for the Mets. It's hard in the loss column, though. That's the scary part. It so is a off, game. It's a full game. Tied in the loss column. The Mets are off Thursday. They travel out to Oakland. The Braves make up one of those games tomorrow as they open up a four-game series in Philly. Fresh off the sweep last weekend of the Phillies. One time, as a, as a New York fan, you might be rooting for a Philadelphia team, and they disappoint last week. Can Philadelphia help the Mets this weekend and at least take two games from the Braves, uh, split the series at home? I mean, to be honest with you, who's better, Kev? Mets or Braves? Who's the better team? Mets Push have the Who's the better team? Braves have the better lineup, top to bottom. The Mets have the better pitching. You, you, the Braves don't match Scherzer Degrom if they're healthy. And looking at the seasons they've had, nobody in the Braves bullpen matches Diaz. You, you I, do I, trust? I'll, I'll, I'll do you do you trust Kenley Jansen in the big spot in the playoffs? But you're, you're making it seem like you trust Edwin Diaz in a big spot in the playoffs. Basically, seen so I do. he's proven to himself. He's proven to everybody that he's a monster in the playoffs. Yeah, that Jansen's been there. Diaz has not. Gino, your thoughts? Uh, I agree that I think the Mets have the better team. Uh, I, I would worry about something like Diaz coming apart in a big spot, but based on his, based on how he has been this year, he's been, he's been unhittable at times. And that may be the difference because you can get to Kenley Jansen. I mean, Kev said it, you can get to Kenley Jansen. We've seen it happen. 
we'll we'll find out. I, I I think it's the Mets. I think it's the Mets to lose at this point. One the funny thing is, is you have to win that division because even though the Mets should win with pitching in a three-game set, you can't tell me that Wheeler and Nola can't go out there and, and pitch two gems. You can't tell me that Darvish and Musgrove can't go out there and pitch two gems. And you can't tell me that even Woodruff and Burns, even though they've had off seasons, can't go out there and pitch two gems. You don't want to leave yourself there. If no you're doubt. the Mets, you have to win the division. You just do. I'm not saying that they would lose any of those series. I don't believe they would. I, I, but you just don't know. All it takes is a, a, an ill-timed home run off of Scherzer, which happens from time to time, or DeGrom not feeling and having to get pulled in the fourth for some reason. I mean, you know, it takes something so subtle in a series like that, Kev. We've seen too many games this year where the Mets offense has disappeared, where they go out there and put up two hits over eight innings and just look flat. So when you get to these teams that have that can match up not 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 ace for ace, you know, with Scherzer and DeGrom at their best, but can hold down an offense. The Mets offense can be held down this year. They've you've seen you've seen it time and time again. And that scares you as a Mets fan. They, they need, I like Marte. I, I think Marte could be the key for this team on offense because when he's hitting, that offense is it, it can play with anybody. I, I mean, he's so much better than I realized he was. I was he was a box score guy for me before this. I saw him play, don't get me wrong. But watching him day in and day out has been really impressive. I mean, better than I thought. G, I don't know if you yeah, agree. No, or disagree. I, I, I agree. I, I think they need Marte back. And I'm not sure after today if Nimmo's going to be out. I know he went down at one point. But, you know, both of those guys are needed in that lineup for that lineup to succeed. There's no doubt about it. And, and one two records question like- I want to post to both of you guys real quick. And because only because it's a little weird that I'm going to say it like this. They brought the sixth team into the playoffs because they wanted to make it more exciting, right? More teams involved in the playoff race. Can you imagine the National League race if it was the Braves with one wild card and there's one other spot with those three teams chasing it down? And can you imagine the American League team losing Seattle, Toronto, or Tampa? I'm just saying this year would have been a year, and I'm not saying it would happen every year, with a five-team format would have been more exciting for the playoff races because we know the six teams in the American League and we know six of the seven and there's seven teams fighting for six spots in the National League. But it would have been much more thrilling with a five team, in my opinion. I I don't know what you guys think. I agree. Uh, The American League, it seems very set with the six, especially the top three now. Cleveland is the way they pulled ahead. Now three teams just jockeying for – Basically, who gets that four seed to get the home games in the wild card round? Nationally, we know the sec- the first wild card is either Braves or Mets. They will have the three games at home. It's three ga- It's really three teams for two spots: Padres, Phillies, and Brewers. It'd be more exciting if it was three for one. Okay. I, I just think that because the head-to-head matchup, especially in the American League, you know, Tampa playing Toronto, stuff like that, would make it really thrilling. Sorry, Jake. Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, except. At the end of the day, that's one more team out of the playoffs as it starts. So, Major League Baseball and doing what they did by adding the sixth team is getting another team in, which wouldn't be in if this if this happened. So, if you didn't have the sixth team, you know, one, one of those AL teams is done 
And in the NL, you got three three teams playing for two spots. But if you didn't have that, you'd have three teams playing for only one spot. And when we started the playoffs, you'd have two cities not in it at all. So I, I get your point, but what Major League Baseball wanted to do, they actually succeeded in doing by, by adding that team. So I get it. But what we did, uh, did we do more than water it down? I mean, basically, you're saying, no, hey, we had an extra like, team to water down the playoffs. Not what I could see because these teams are fighting right now in the National League for one of these spots, and you got extra cities involved that you wouldn't have involved. The, so none of these teams would be out of it. You just they, they just wouldn't be in the playoffs, but well, they'd still be involved all the way down to the end of the season, no? Yeah, but once the playoffs started, you'd only have five of those teams in the American League and five in the National League. So one team in the AL wouldn't be making it, and two teams in the NL wouldn't be making it. So after the good season San Diego's had or Philadelphia's had or Milwaukee's had, two of those aren't going to make it as opposed to only one not making it now. Maybe I'm I'm a horrible guy, but I, I actually kind of enjoy that. Anyway, Kev, I know you had another point. Sorry, man. One last point in baseball. The Mets did break a record today. Oh, Three God. more hits, batsmen. Mark Hanna hit twice to set the Mets t- team record. Luis Guillorme gets hit for the 106 hits batsman by the Mets this year, setting a new major league record. That's that's their congratulations offense. to the Mets. <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> and listen, they clinched the, they clinched the playoff spot first time since 2016. So you got to give them a little bit of a nod there. And that lasted a whole game. So you know you want to, you know this uh, this time it'll go at least more than one game. And they had they had the right celebration. They got together. It seemed like it had a beer to say, "Hey, we made the playoffs. Let's back get back to work tomorrow." Gotcha. So is that it for baseball? I think so. All right. NFL, All right. Gino. I think you had some thoughts on the NFL. All right. Let's uh, let's start. So NFL week two, uh, a lot of craziness, obviously. A lot to talk about. I'm going to go through some of these games. You guys jump in whenever you got a point. Uh, Thursday night game last week, Kansas City beats beats the Chargers. Good game. We saw Herbert go down. He came back. Looks like he's got some kind of rib injury. He's, you know, at this point, he's still uh, questionable to play Sunday. Uh, Mahomes looked like he was on fire. Any anything from you guys? Well, here's the thing: a kid that's playing the second NFL game when uh, uh, return one for a pick six and one defensive player of the week in Justin Watson, seventh round pick does that right away. Herbert's pass it, it, when they when the, the 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 Chargers dominated the first half, dominated. They only led by three though; they just couldn't pull away. And then the Chiefs pulled up and they they took a ten point lead in the second half based on that interception. Chargers were knocking on the door. Chiefs pick it off. They go up 10. Herbert was so injured that he couldn't even run for a scramble for a first down. And the very next play, he throws a dart perfect pass down the line on fourth down. And he saved him twice on fourth down in that drive. Showed me a ton. Chargers are probably a better team, Jay, but the Chiefs just find a way to win these games. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh all right, so next on the list, uh, Green Bay beat Chicago 27-10. to 10. Uh, Looked like Green Bay mostly dominated the game for the most part. Only point in that game, it was 
20, 24-10. You know, Chicago's still sort of in it. They put together a real nice drive in the fourth quarter. Fourth and goal at the one, and they line up in the shotgun with uh, Justin Fields. Why are you not under center? Fields is big enough. Put him under center. You've got a yard. Get the push forward. Or you hand it off to the to the running back, turn around, do that. Why are you in the shotgun? I hate the shotgun at fourth and goal at the one. Especially if you're going to run a quarterback sneak. What the hell? Why would you start from four yards back? They have a line. They're playing goal line. There's 11 guys on the line. You're starting four yards deep. Someone's going to get penetration. There's only 10 men to block against 11. Why in the world would you not line up over center? I agree with you, Kev. They had a chance to cut it to a touchdown. They hadn't had a good drive since the first drive of the game. And they, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> yeah. But but otherwise, like Gino said, Packers had that game pretty easily for the most part. Okay. Next, next we'll move to Arizona and the Raiders. And uh, goes to overtime. It's a crazy game. Las Vegas is up 20 to nothing at the half. Arizona comes all the way back. It's a touchdown and a two-point conversion to send it to overtime. In overtime, Renfo fumbles the ball. Arizona picks it up and returns it for the touchdown. Uh, just craziness. Uh, w- one of the crazy games of the week. What do you guys have to say? Renfro also fumbled a play before, or two plays before it, but they recovered. And then he fumbles again, and it gets scooped up. The Raiders are 0-2 in two games that they were in. And and Kyler Murray um, basically, I I, I don't get it, but he shows you how he's getting paid as much money as he's getting paid with that comeback. Kev? Yeah, the... One thing I didn't like, Vegas had the ball. They were still 23-7 in the fourth. They get the ball back with about 12 and a half left, and they go out there and throw three straight incompletions, three and out. Just, I'm not saying you shut down the offense, but can't you ball, run the ball at least once, start getting the clock moving? Why throw three it's straight two incompletions? Score game. At the time, it's a two-score game. You, you have to. Th- throw three in a row. What throw throw three straight passes? No, or you have to run the ball. You got to kill the yeah. clock. It's a two score game. I don't mind. I don't mind two passes. At least run the ball once. At least take a minute off the clock. <laughs> they I took mean, about just, twenty seconds off. Just bad football. Josh Lincoln is already blowing games. Love it. All right, next game on the list: Dallas twenty to Cincinnati seventeen. Dallas showed some life in the game. Cooper Rush wasn't that bad. Of course, my last week when I destroyed the Cowboys has come back to kick me in the ass a little bit. Uh, Cincinnati attempted a comeback down 17-3. Wasn't enough. Cincinnati 0-2. Guys, what do you guys got for this one? Because this is a little crazy. Cincy's O-line looks awful. Six sacks allowed against Dallas. And I know they have Micah Parsons who can wreak havoc against any offensive line. Uh, I think he was sacked seven times against the Steelers. That's 13 in two games. This keeps up. Joe Burrow is going to be hurt by week six. He's getting hurt. He's getting hit way too many times. Darren? I mean, it, I mean, here's the thought. I mean, Gino, you pointed out already. The Cowboys, your hot take last week. The big hot take from Gino. The Cowboys are done. Cowboys I'm still on it. Dead. Dead. I'm still on it. 
and they come out and they win seven, uh, 2017 on the last play of the game. You know what? Cooper Rush now 2-0 and as a starter. <laughs> Won a game last year as well. Listen, it's it, you know, if if the Cowboy defense can keep them in games, they, 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 they'll be able to play around with Washington and and the Giants. You know, Philly right now might be on another stratosphere, but we'll we'll see what we got when we get up to, get up to them. I just thought that Dallas played a really good game. Cincinnati's, you know, they leave a lot of they leave a lot of plays out there with the, the with the pressure. Um, they don't seem to commit to the run nearly as much as they should to try to get that pressure off Burrow. I'm a little surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving along, Denver beats Houston. Uh, good game. Uh, Denver struggles. Uh, Russell Wilson just doesn't look mobile anymore. He just doesn't look mobile. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw it, but did you, did, the, did you see the crowd get involved in this game? when they were counting down the play clock. I I don't think the crowd likes Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> I don't think so either. Russell Wilson, 14 for 31, not even completing 50% of his passes. Listen, Houston's playing better than I thought they would. Don't get me wrong. Um, not like Davis Mills lit it up either. But, but there are a lot of weapons on that offense. I mean, this is a decent wide receiver core. It's a really solid running back, uh, uh, you know, contingency with, uh, with 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 Williams and Gordon. And Gordon, I'm stunned that they're not moving the ball any better. And you know what? It's it's it it just doesn't make much sense. The defense has kept them in both games so far. Do you guys yep. think Russell Wilson looks old? I think he's still getting comfortable. Okay, we, we, I, I, we were so. used I think to get a little longer. I think, you know, in Seattle, he was so used to the offense. Try to run some play action. Try to, you know, P. Carroll really stressed the running game in Seattle. Even though Russ didn't like it, it worked. And maybe that hit some of Russell's limitations better than we thought. Okay. Uh, next up, we got Detroit beating Washington. It's a good win for Detroit. Washington is going to try every time they come out, but they they just don't have enough in the tank. Uh, Carson Wentz is going to chuck the ball all over the place when he's down. So, you know, Dotson, Darren, you said it last week. Dotson, he, he's looking really good still. Uh, you know, came out, another touchdown. Uh, the the wide receiver in this game, though, I'm on, Saint, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Is, is he a top 10 wide receiver now? He may be a top 10 wide receiver in this league right now. After two weeks, he is. <laughs> the, 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 the Lions are willing to pass the ball. Goff is looking real good right now. And as long as they're willing to keep passing it, there's no reason why Amon Ra St. Brown can't be even better than his brother Equinemius. <laughs> <laughs> And Easy right now, say. yes. And right now, he's he's definitely top ten after two games. Well, you see we'll the Debo Samuel games. aspect of it, you know, where uh, now the running now, now the uh, and and Tyree Kill also now the wide receivers are getting to run the ball more and more, and he had a decent amount of rushing yards and a couple of attempts in that as well. He's a he's a good he was a good receiver at USC. He's he's a good player. I mean, and uh, I, I think Chark's pretty good too. They really haven't gotten him involved yet. Detroit's going to be fun in a lot of games this year. 
Problem is they can't stop anybody. They had to hold on even despite the big lead in that game. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play the rest of the way out. 22 nothing at halftime. The good thing about Detroit was every time Washington, yes, Washington trying to make a comeback, but Washington never had the ball down only one score. It was always two score. And if Washington did score, Detroit's offense did at least respond. Yeah. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, continuing around the league, the Rams beat Atlanta 31-27. They basically tried to do everything they could to blow this game at the end. Atlanta kept putting, trying everything they could. Uh, defending champs are good, but it looks like they're having a little bit of a hard time. We're going to see as the season progresses. Kev, anything you got to add on this? Well, it was the Falcons' favorite score in the third quarter, 28-3. to They were down. Uh, the block punt was key to make it 31-25. They had uh, the Rams fumble by cup. It gave the Falcons more hope, but then they were able to pick off Mariota with about a minute left on the third down. More of a desperation type of throw on third and 13. Rams are doing just enough to – they did just enough to win. Gene, uh, I think that the yeah. I, I, first and foremost, Cooper Cup's amazing. By the way, I know he had the fumble, but he just puts up number after number. They know you're going. Everyone knows they're going to him. He still makes every play. He's he, he catches everything in the arm. He, he's he's a monster. Um, I thought I, I think Arthur Smith has a team playing pretty hard in Atlanta. They're not a very talented team. Mariota's kind of a cast off. Uh, the running back's a former wide receiver. The best receiver is a is a first-round draft pick that we had. We don't know if he's proven yet. And, and obviously, they have a tight end that we like. The lines of scrimmage on both sides are nothing special. And yet the Rams – I mean, the Falcons have been against two pretty good teams and played them both pretty tough. Um, don't think that um, – uh, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to do anything. But at least they're playing like the Lions. I mean, at least they keep it against uh, respectable early on anyway. Uh, throwing in a fantasy point, Kyle Pitts is just really looking horrible right now. They are not throwing the ball to him at all. I shouldn't say he's looking horrible. They're not really giving him enough opportunities right now. Uh, throwing the ball to Drake London, throwing, them all, throwing balls all over the place to other receivers, not going to Pitts. We're going to see if this changes as we go through the season. So. Yeah, 10 it has targets, to, otherwise they won't win. What was that, Jakev? Sorry. Ten targets in two weeks for Pitts. Got to yeah. get him more involved. Yeah. The best player on the uh, team. Okay, moving, moving around again. San Francisco takes care of business over Seattle, 27-7. Uh, Trey Lance out for the year. Garoppolo's back in. I guess that whole controversy that everybody discussed is no longer an issue, unfortunately. Uh, San Francisco defense is very good. Looked like Geno Smith came back to reality after week one, but Kev? Yeah, the Hawks only had a blocked field goal for a touchdown. That's the only time they scored. Geno, we remember for the Jet days, he had he had good enough weeks where he put up a perfect passer rating. He did that once or twice as a Jet, but he also had weeks where he put up a 0.0 passer rating. So we, we've lived a full Geno Smith experience. He wasn't awful, but he just didn't have any support. The running game was non-existent, and that's a very, very good to great 49ers defense. And the interesting thing about this team is that 
the only question is, do you think they're better now with Garoppolo than they would have been with Lance? Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo? Gino, are they better right now? Probably, yeah, only because they don't have to go through the 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 rookie doldrums that they're gonna ha- they would have had to have gone through with Lance. You know, they're not gonna look at the awful game that may come from a rookie. Garoppolo is gonna ple- be steady as he goes, and for the right now, it's it is probably better for them. Uh, shame that the kid went down. We thought there was gonna be big things from the kid, but it's gonna wait a year. So. Anything yes. else on anything else on San Francisco? Nope. Uh, next game on the list is New England. New England seventeen, Pittsburgh fourteen. Boy, does the Pittsburgh defense look different when TJ Watt is not in the lineup. Uh, New England defense is good. Uh, Mac Jones continues not to look so good. Kev, with with the battle between Trubisky and Jones, that game felt like it was played between the thirties. Uh, boring game. Darren told you guys last week. And I said, the Patriots will win this game. I mean, you Belichick did. will confuse Trubisky. <laughs> that was all. Yes, that was, was one of my losses, losses last week. There was absolutely nothing else to this game, but the fact that Trubisky cannot be Belichick. That's it. There was nothing else to the game. And, and, and yeah. Harris going down a bit late. I know he's questionable. He's going to see, but you know, Stevenson might become a much bigger factor in that running game than he already is. And he's already a factor. So that's the one thing to look at going forward with the Pats. Neither yeah. one of these offenses are great, though. Okay. Uh, next game on the list, Jacksonville 24, Indianapolis 0. Uh, Lawrence looked good in the game. Indy is just not getting anything going. Is our man in Indianapolis the first coach fired? Kevin? No. No. Okay. You're giving Frank, I don't think Reich goes anywhere. Yeah, I don't Wright think Reich's going anywhere they, yet. They need to fix the offensive line. The Jags hit Ryan 11 times, sacked him five times, only had 218 yards of offense. Taylor cannot get going. They have to fix that offensive line first. Okay. Um, For me, Pittman being out was really a key. There was no way. That, <laughs> the Jags had no one to be afraid of. And yeah. uh, without Pittman playing out there at wide receiver – I mean, Taylor only got eight carries. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, even when you're down two scores, it, 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 you might you give the ball to your best player. Just just let me, give him a chance. They weren't even doing that. I was uh, Ryan, you know, listen, Matt Ryan's going to be Matt Ryan. We know what he is. He's he's a good quarterback when he gets protect, protection. He's good with play action. He's older. He's, you know, his, he's not going to be able to scramble. He's not going to be able to save you. The, the old line, like you said, Kev, if it doesn't do the job, Matt Ryan's a sitting duck, and it's kind of over. Okay, next on the list, Tampa Bay beats New Orleans 20-10. to 10. Uh, Kev, I'll let, I'll let you take over right off the bat. 3-3 game until the big brawl. Tom Brady starts running his mouth and then goes, runs, and hides like the Tom Brady that he is and lets other people fight for him. And I know that's very much anti-Brady, but I'm sick and tired of Tom freaking Brady. <laughs> Mike Evans suspended the, suspended this week. One that game was suspension. A, so. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. This Buccaneers are hurting so much in wide receiver. And with Evans suspended, they actually signed Cole Beasley to the practice squad this week. And <laughs> Cole will be a factor. <laughs> They'll find a way to make him a factor. I, 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 I saw a funny meme this week where it said that Tom Brady – at his age, 
is four years older than Grady was on times. I'm just going to say, I mean, and Grady looked like he was ancient back then. Anyway, that's how old Tom is. Don, I mean, he hasn't looked great in the game yet. Um, the Saints always play him rough. He He's never beaten them in the regular season since he's been a buck. He was 0-4, so he gets off the snide with that. But Jameis really helped out with three picks in the fourth quarter, so that, that, that kind of put it over the top. Maybe he's still worried about Giselle being mad at him for coming back. Okay, moving along. Uh, <laughs> the next game up is uh, Giants 19, Carolina 16. Giants look good again. Uh, they don't look great, though. They look good. Uh, Carolina looks lost on half the plays out there. McCaffrey's out there. I feel like Baker Mayfield is throwing the ball all over the place. He's got some good receivers, and he's, like, ignoring them. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, the Giants, they can thank their field goal kicker. Gano, four for four. And in the fourth quarter, he hit one from 51 early in the quarter. And then the game winner is from 56. Clutch, clutch kicking by Gano. Otherwise, they were on the same time as the Jets. I wasn't paying much attention to the Giants. <laughs> Darren? NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, Ram Gano. Um, <laughs> listen. Daniel Jones is the enigma, right? He uh, he has a good half, then the not-so-good second half. He never seems to throw for 300 yards, even 250 most of the time. Um, he's not your answer. Certainly, Baker Mayfield's saying that, uh, you know, when Sam Darnold comes back, there's a quarterback controversy because he's not been the answer. Um, it's too, you know, it's it's two mediocre teams playing. Don't get me wrong, Giants are 2-0. You take 2-0 all day long. The defense has been pretty good. And, uh, you know, Barkley didn't have a huge game this week, but he but he picked that up in the second half a little bit, but he, he started off slow, I, and as did McCaffrey. I, I just – the bigger question for me is this has got to be the last year for Daniel Jones. The Giants aren't going to be a great team with this guy as the, as the leader of this, of this squad. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think this is the year that they're going to find out if this is the guy, and right now it's not looking like it is. Uh, we'll see. It's only two games in, though. Kev, anything True. else? No. All right. I'm going to skip two games from Sunday. We're going to come back to them because those are the <laughs> wild games. Uh, Monday night, we had just just the Monday night dominance. Uh, the Bills take care of Tennessee, 41-7. Tennessee just does not look like they have anything on the offensive line. Looks like they're going to get dominated in a lot of these games. When they get dominated, Derrick Henry's going to get neutralized because they're going to be trying to throw the ball. They're not going to be running the ball. The Bills just look like a force to be reckoned with. It looks like they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. If you if you told me that the first two weeks of this season came right after the last game that they played last year, you, you would understand why all of a sudden they're like on fire. The other game of the night was Philly. Philly took care of Minnesota 24-7. They did a lot of things right. Minnesota was trying to give them some 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 fight, but didn't look like they had anything else in the tank. What do you guys have on those two games? Yeah, the Bills game is easy. Bills, all you can say is, wow, they look like they're in a mission. They want to earn that top seed. They want the playoffs to go through Buffalo. They're on a mission for the Super Bowl this year, Super Bowl or bust for them. They look great after two weeks. The other game – Vikings, 
you you're not out of the game by any means. And just like you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor before, Dalvin Cook six carries for 17 yards. Why the hell you're not running the football? Why you go away from the run so damn quickly? They all these teams have big wide receivers and they want to use them, and that that's that's just the way it is right now. It's unbelievable that they don't go to their superstar running back, though. It really is. You got you got to, you got to try to run a little bit, open up the passing game. Yeah, Darius. It's the funny thing. Darius Slay had a monster game against Jefferson. He just did. He, he played great in that Philly game. He he really controlled them. I, I listen. I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. If you don't run, you know when you when you're down, you have to run the ball when you're down to give yourself possession rest the defense, you know, there's certain things you have to do. You have to give defense time off the field. So I'm not saying you have to run at three straight plays for 10 yards in a cloud of dust. I'm not saying it's the old time, but I'm saying, you know, and don't do the Jets way. Well, oh, second and 10. Now we run it to make a third and seven. No, run on first, run on run on second every now and again, mix it up. But, you know, use the screen game. They weren't using Dalvin in the screen game as much either. I just don't get the everybody's so enamored with throwing the ball deep down the field. Don't have to. It's more, I mean, more frustrating when you're watching your team get beaten up with death of 10,000 paper cuts than when you uh, when, when you sit there and beat them with a bomb. Yeah, what Cook have about as four far as the other game. Yards? Yeah, that's it. He should be he should that's be it. catching the ball all day. Yeah. The, the other the other game just shows you what Tannehill is, and I'm not trying to be mean. Tannehill's a guy, a guy that's a good play action quarterback, good game manager. He can scramble, he can run, he can get you the first down himself. Fact of the matter is, when he has to throw, they're not going to win. When he throws because they because they're able to incorporate in the offense, they'll be fine. But when he does not, and he has to be going back there throwing it thirty five times, there is no chance. That's why they drafted Waynes. He is going to eventually be the starter this season because this is not a very good Tennessee team. Right yep. Agreed. Agreed. All right, moving on to one of the big games. I'm gonna le- I'm gonna leave the Jets for last. Uh, Miami beats Baltimore 42-38. And there are times during this game where I thought Tom Cruise was filming Top Gun three because there were afterburners on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. It is unbelievable how fast the two of them are. Uh, clearly. Baltimore has problems defending wide receivers. It is clear, okay? But Baltimore is up 28-7 at the half. Miami comes back. They scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. It's almost unreal that they scored touchdowns at 12-18 in the fourth, 7-54 in the fourth, 5-27 in the fourth, and then 19 seconds. It's, it's unbelievable how much they were flinging the ball, two of throws for six touchdowns, 469 yards. The amazing stat in this game to me is Tyreek Hill goes 11 for 190 yards with two touchdowns, has a 60-yard pass thrown to him. And on the other side, Jalen Waddle goes 11 for 171 for two touchdowns and has a 59-yard pass thrown to him. Just craziness all over the field. It looked like as we started getting deep into that fourth quarter, Baltimore just didn't have an answer for these guys. Whew, that's a lot out of my mouth. Kev, what do you got? As a Jet fan, that's scary looking at Hilden Waddle. <laughs> Your only hope is that Tua does not have the game like he did Sunday. 497? 469. 469. 
Four, six touchdowns. First Dolphin to do that since Marino in that famous 51-45 overtime loss to the Jets. <laughs> Back in those old shootouts with Brian walk, Marino. A couple of – if Baltimore's offense had made the first down or two, they may have stemmed the tide. It was 35-14 entering the fourth. Miami touchdown. Baltimore got the ball back. They were stopped on a fourth and one at the 40. Gives Miami field position. Question whether or not Harbaugh should have punted there, pinned him deep. He decided to go for it. He feels confident that Jackson in that running game can pick up a yard. Another touchdown for Miami, 35-28. On the next drive, they got a first down in the defensive holding, but then a run for two, an incomplete, an incomplete punt, a minute off the clock. Defense had very little time to rest, right back on the field, and we know the rest of the game. And yeah. Hill just toyed with that secondary on the one side and Waddle on the other side. I don't know what else to say. Darren, what do you think? Interesting thing here. Two two things. The fourth and one at the 40 was interesting, but they also had a goal line stand in the first quarter. Right? So they stopped them. Uh, uh, there was a touchdown. Then they reversed the call. They had to go it again, and they fumbled the snap. So they had another chance to go up um, – go up pretty big early, go up 14 nothing in the very beginning of the game and try to put their foot on this. I thought that the, they relied a little too much on some man coverage with, with 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 the corners a little bit. I thought the best catch and the best play was the one by Kaseki, by the way, on his touchdown. That ball was thrown so high. He went up yeah. and got it. It was yeah. an amazing freaking catch. I know that the afterburners, but those guys were wide open. He was just throwing them out there. The pass to Kaseki was really amazing, actually. And and that's not to take away from the other two guys because they were amazing all day. I just thought that that one really impressed me. It was actually a perfectly thrown high ball. Gee, you about to say something? He's he's tall to begin with and just leaped yep. so far up in the air to grab that pass. It was, it was amazing. I, I just thought that that was impressive. Miami's defense pretty good. Baltimore put up 38 on them. You know, the one thing that we got out of this, Kev, is Jet fans, is that Miami's defense has given up points in bunches. We held Baltimore much better than they did. Um, <laughs> we, I don't think that, you know, anybody's going to be able to cover Hill and Waddle. It's going to come down to if you can get pressure on Tua. And, and, and these... you know, to be honest with you, you're going to have to play dime most of the game in a lot of these situations. You're going to have to play three corners, three safeties a lot and force them to run. That's the way you're going to have to play this team. Are these the Jake? two fastest wide receiver teammates we've ever seen? I mean, I tried yes. to think about it. You know, it is – I mean, I don't – Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. I mean, that's the only two that came to my head at that point. Well, Duper and Clayton were really quick too on the same team, by the way. That's uh, a good one, Dad. You know, That's a good I mean, one. but, but, yeah. I, but I, I think these guys are just lightning quick, though. Wesley yeah. Walker, Lamb Jones. <laughs> yeah, but but Johnny can catch the ball. He would trip over the twenty yard line. All right. I mean, listen, so I'm San Francisco had Ronaldo Nehemiah, you know, going out there yeah. with anybody. It didn't matter. He couldn't. Catch. He couldn't catch either. So we we saved the yeah, local exactly. team for last. So Jets come out. They win 31-30. They beat the Browns. It's got miracle comeback written all over it. Uh, Cleveland's up 13 points with a minute 55 left. Flacco flings a 66-yard pass. 
Uh, they recover the onside kick. They throw a 25-yard pass. Uh, before you guys jump on this game, is Garrett Wilson a star? Because he's getting close. He's he's on his way. Not Boy, yet. he's on his way. He's, he's I have a staff for you about that in a running. minute. I have a staff for you about that in a minute. But I'll let Kev touch on yeah. this game first. Kev, take it away, Kev. The the the, the credi- incredible stat. Since 2002, 2,229 consecutive games, a team led by 13 or more with under two minutes left. Last team to blow it, the Cleveland Browns losing to the Chicago Bears in 2002. That's a game that, as a Jet fan, you expect that to happen to the Jets, not for the Jets to do it. Key plays. Now, I think, you know, when you look at the first three quarters, Jet defense was solid. Zerline kicks the 57-yarder uh, to tie the game at 17. Defense started to wear down a little bit. The Browns got the running game going with Chubb and Hunt, got the touchdown drive, got the ball back, and we're chewing up the clock. Now comes the two big plays. Browns had a third down. Hunt gets the handoff, takes the ball, runs for the first down, gets tackled out of bounds. He did, did he did try to stay in bounds, but he got stopped out of bounds with 2.05 left. If he stays in bounds, it gets down to two-minute warning, three kneel downs, the game is over. Because it's 2.05, because of the, with the way the clock is running, Cleveland still has to run an offense. So with 2.05, Chubb gets the handoff first and 10 from the 12. He has done it before where he stopped at the 1 instead of scoring the touchdown. If he stops and goes down, again, 2-minute warning, 3 kneel downs, game is over. I can't blame Chubb when you're at the 12 and you want to make sure you get the first down to end the game. It's a very quick decision to get Okay, I've got to get to the two-yard line. I need to stop before the end zone. Now you score the touchdown. You don't think your defense is going to give up 14. Then for the rookie kicker um, to miss the extra point there after hitting the 58-yard of the week before to beat Carolina. I mean, all these little things just went the Jets' way. Then the blown coverage that you don't expect Corey Davis to be that wide open. (laughs) That was a shock. The onside's kickoff, miracle recovery, and then the drive down the field. As a Jeff fan, it's just something you don't expect to see. Darren? Well, I mean, the Chubb plays the key play. He knows it, too. He actually said it. You know, he he knows he's supposed to stop. And it just, you know, it's the, it's the instinct of the game. It's very hard to stop between the two and the, and the, and the goal line. And he, he didn't. And, you know, the, the blown coverage on Corey Davis is inexcusable. Man, who couldn't have played worse in week one, had the p- perfect pass on the fake punt in the first half. And then yes. he got it, it was a great onside kick where he's looking right and he kicks it left. And I always get confused how these teams do this. It's like all the up front guys refuse to touch the ball, they just let the back guy get to it. And sometimes the ball's too slow and it doesn't get to him. I, I, I don't really get it. I mean, I, it, it should be a little bit more of an instinctive kind of thing. If the ball's coming by you, land on it. But um, it, it was amazing. And, and we talked about Garrett Wilson a little bit. Um, 
you know, and, and Flacco as well. But to start with Garrett Wilson, he was targeted 14 times. Moore and Davis were targeted nine combined. I mean, if you don't think that he's become the guy who didn't know the whole route tree in week one, and suddenly they went after him 14 times, he just he's a very athletic receiver. We haven't had anything like this since the Keyshawn Corbett days, really. Lavernius was okay. I'm not gonna take anything away from Lavernius, but it's we haven't seen anything like this as a Jet fan in forever. Jets hadn't won a game in September since 2018. 2018. Wow. They start off every year 0-4. It's been a blast. It's been a real hoot the last three seasons. And 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 they 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 won one in 2018. That was the last time they'd done it. 14 points in 90 seconds is amazing. Um, I mean, I know Flacco is now a god. He, he, he didn't have humongous stats or a great game until the last 90 seconds. He was still very good. I was one that thought Mike White should be kind of thought of just because you wanted a quarterback that could run with Miles Garrett wreaking havoc. The Jet O-line, Fant did a pretty good job. You know, Clowney getting hurt also helped. You know, they didn't have that pass rush from the other side. But I, I thought that Fant did a pretty good job on Garrett. Not great, but pretty damn good. And I thought that the, uh, you know, Brees Hall kind of showed up and, and and Michael Carter looks good every time he touches the ball. There's a lot of things to like about this Jet offense. Defensively, the fact that we couldn't control Jacoby Brissett really upset me. It just seemed like he was able to complete third down passes all day. I, I, I was It was driving me nuts. He uh, and then Ashton Davis, who's been the biggest disappointment you can imagine for the first two years of his career, makes the ceiling and he sealed the game with a pick. And you're he like, all one, right, this is. He, yep. he played one snap on defense. He picked it off. And he picked they it off. They put him in at the end when they played seven defense backs. It takes the seventh defensive back to get him in there. And he picked him up. Amari Cooper looked like he was open all day, by the way. And he was the guy that did not get the onside kick, by the way. It was going right, right to number two. And uh, he and the, and the jet, um, who was it? Parks got his hand on it before Cooper could get there, and then you know recovery yeah, and it was. And Garrett Wilson, the rookie, is the guy they're going to down the stretch, and it was pretty impressive. And I, and Gino, you brought up a good point. Listen, we haven't had a receiver to be this excited about. Elijah. We were excited about Elijah Moore, still am, but Wilson looks like he has another gear, and, and it's something. I, and I'll leave you guys with one point because I told Texan you're both right after. I had the Dolphin Jet money line bet. Yeah. So I had them on the money line. So I had a seven and a half to one odds on that. And with about at four o'clock, it didn't look good. <laughs> By 415, it looked great. Just one of those things. You, yep. you mentioned the offensive line real quick. Unsung hero, rookie, fourth rounder, I think, Max Mitchell. Um, credit to him for also for helping on that offensive line. He wasn't, he was supposed to be a developmental player this year playing because of the injuries to Becton and Brown. And he has held up his own as well. Great. Yeah. Well, that's week two in so, the NFL. Week two, the Monday games would, <laughs> yeah, the, the Monday games and the Sunday games were, were actually very exciting. Um, you know, you don't always get that. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to a little college football. I'll let you guys uh, take the show over for a little bit. (laughs) Here's the thing in college, and I'm going to start off with Kev because there's one team that's been standing out this year. Kev, take it away. Appalachian State, the Mountaineers. 
First week, we remember they lost 63-61 to North Carolina in regulation, game where they scored 62 points combined in the fourth quarter. App State put up 40, came just short, two-point conversion short of tying the game. Week two, they traveled to Texas A&M, knock off at the time number six rank team in the country, 17-14. Because of that, ESPN College Game Day changes their plans. They were going to be in Texas A&M for the Miami game. They decided to go to Appalachian State for the big matchup against Troy. Uh, back and forth game, nobody led by more than one score. Troy had the 28-24 lead, took the intentional safety. Free kick, Appalachian State gets the ball back at the 47. They actually tried three passes, three passes incomplete. So now they're down to a fourth down play with two seconds left. And as we posted on the Facebook page, we all saw the excitement, the Hail Mary down the field, got the deflection, the receiver catches it at the eight, off the deflection, runs around the end and gets into the touchdown, uh, gets into the end zone untouched for the touchdown. The most fun team in college football so far this year through three crazy. weeks. Cra- crazy stuff going on with Appalachian State, man. <laughs> It's just good football, and you know what? It's it's funny. I'm just gonna run through a few things, guys. Chime in if I if if, if there's something so, you want to add. Penn F- State. State this week. Oh, I'm sorry, Kev. Go ahead. Seven point favorites at home against James Madison. James Madison moving up from FCS. Very good football program down there. Semifinals the last two years. Finals two of the three years before that. They won in 2016. Again, this should this looks like it should be another excellent game. I think it's ESPN Plus. If you have that, maybe look that, maybe check out that game. Yeah, remember Appalachian State when they first came into Division One, they went in and they they beat Michigan also a few years back. I mean, they, they won in Ann Arbor. I mean, they, they, this is a program that was dominant in the FCS level. I think it was Division Two back then. But you know what I mean. Uh, a couple of big games, uh, well, not really big. I mean, Penn State went into Jordan Hare and dominated Auburn. Just crushed them. You don't expect an SEC team like Auburn to get blown out at home. You just don't. Michigan is beating the crap out of everybody that play. They haven't played competition yet. They play Maryland this week. That'll be the first team that they play with any kind of, you know, cachet. But they crushed Connecticut. Syracuse, okay, 3-0, and comes back on Purdue. I know it doesn't seem like it's a, it's a, it's a huge matchup, but Syracuse to beat a Big Ten team when they're down by 10 at the break, Really impressive job there. I thought they did a nice job. You're fighting Irish, Kev. They're off the snide. They got to win. They had to sweat it out against Cal, but they got the damn win. So you give them the yeah. nod. We talked about this game last week. Nebraska got routed. Oklahoma uh, left no doubt. I posted something on our, our Facebook with a picture of Osborne and Switzer just because that's what Oklahoma and Nebraska is supposed to be, not the crap we saw the other day where only one team shows up. Seven yeah, I'm sorry, Kev. I was going to say, Nebraska jumps out 7 nothing, and you think maybe they're going to make a battle of this, and then Oklahoma reeled off, what, 49 in a row? Pretty much. Not, not pretty much, exactly. <laughs> Rutgers a perfect 3-0. They don't score, but they hold off, and they win 16-14. These teams were all playing against much lesser competition and held on. Okay, Virginia, UCLA, Wake Forest, Arkansas, Florida, Arizona, they all escape. 
Um, uh, you know, Virginia beats ODU. It's, I know it's a state rivalry, but come on. UCLA, if the three of us would have showed up, I think we would have doubled the crowd attendance at the Rose Bowl. Nobody <laughs> showed up for UCLA uh, against Alabama State. They had a win on the last play of the game. Um, Arkansas, uh, I'm sorry, Wake Forest holds off Liberty. I know Gino liked Wake minus 15. That didn't work out for you last week. Arkansas what? beats Missouri State. Only reason I list this, they pulled up by 11. But Arkansas um, was under, down in the third quarter. Kev? Yeah, Wake Forest, Liberty. Do you like the choice? Uh, Liberty coach, get the, the, Liberty scores a touchdown, they go for two. Do you like going for the upset win just right there on the two-point conversion? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I thought he did the right thing. I really did. Yep, me too. It's a absolutely. small play. I, I think you have to do it. Yep. I mean, listen, you got a, a you got an ACC team on the ropes. On the, on the ropes. You've put up 36 points. You've shown you can score. You know, you you, you got to go for it. I think um, uh, Florida holds off South Florida. Not a very good South Florida team, and Florida held them off barely. And North Dakota State, usual perennial champion in the FCS, um, you know, really, really, really gave Arizona all they could handle. So those teams struggled, but then you had a couple that flat lost. Uh, which was crazy. Um, Arizona State lost to Eastern Michigan at home. Kansas State lost to Tulane at home. So teams that were playing relatively well got slapped around a little bit. Really weird uh, in college football. A lot of live dogs, so to speak. And the other thing that stood out was Washington beating up Michigan State, um, you know, two weeks in a row now. A decent Pac-12 team beats a pretty good Big Ten team. Washington State winning in Camp Randall the week earlier. So this was kind of an interesting game to me. Uh, Texas A&M, who Kev didn't like at all, changed quarterbacks. They beat Miami uh, 17-9. wasn't like the offense did it, though, Kev. It was more the defense kind of held Miami in check. But and here's the most interesting by Miami. Thing, thing coming. Dude, uh, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. They, they, they missed opportunities, no doubt about it. So – if I were to tell you that Kansas was playing Duke and it was basketball, you'd be excited. But now they're playing as two undefeated football teams this week. They are both 3-0. and and So now for the first time ever, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky are all undefeated through three weeks of the, end of the college football season. These teams, the, the college basketball blue bloods, are all 3-0. and But something's got to give. In man, and, and I'm sorry, in Lawrence, as Duke comes to town. Now, here's the thing. Kansas has actually won at Houston last week, and they won at West Virginia. They're playing really good. We haven't seen them play this good since Todd Reesing was the quarterback and Mangino was the coach, that fat guy that was abusing the players so they had to get rid of him. I mean, they haven't been this good in a while. They've been a laughing stock. So now the Duke-Kansas game becomes a battle to see who gets the 4-0. and North Carolina plays Notre Dame. They have a shot to get the 4-0. Maybe not. Notre Dame's kind of off the, off the snide. Syracuse, you know, another basketball power. They're also 3-0. I mean, so a lot of the basketball schools playing really good college football right now. Um, any thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, do you ever think that would be the case? Kansas Duke in football getting getting a little bit of, a, of, a, of excitement from the crowd. I, I, I just never thought I'd see it. Kansas 3-0, I think another one, Vandy 3-0. Both of no, them Vandy, over Vandy, under. No, Vandy's not 3-0. Vandy's Vandy. lost twice. Are they lost twice? Vandy lost to Wake, and they, they beat Hawaii, okay. but they lost to Wake. 
I'm trying to remember. There are two schools that are now three and zero. Who the over under on their win totals were two and a half. <laughs> Imagine being after three weeks knowing that you got the over covered there. Yeah, we should have bet it in the preseason. But uh, Carolina, yeah. Kentucky, Syracuse, Kansas, Duke, all three and zero. The basketball powers are doing well. Big games this week. Just so everybody knows about them. Iowa State hosting Baylor. Okay, Baylor's ranked. Iowa State isn't, but Iowa State's playing pretty well. Clemson goes to Wake. Um, you know, listen, both teams are undefeated. We'll see what happens there. Minnesota heads to Michigan State. I know Michigan State coming off a loss. Minnesota's played real good so far. Florida, Tennessee is always a big rivalry. Um, you know, Tennessee is home. They're expected to win that, but we'll see. Texas A&M plays Arkansas um, as the other big game that I, I see this week of two teams that are ranked. So those are the five games I have. Either you guys have any other comments on the college football a slate this week or anything from last week. So I think you touched on a lot for me. Yep. <laughs> I touched on a ton. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So, so last week, college football picks, Darren two for three, Gino one for three, Kevin one for three, uh, Gino and Darren three for six on the year. Kevin two for six on the year. We need to get this moving into a better direction guys. But uh, Kev, why don't you start with the college football picks? this week all right my three games two of them uh diary mentioned i'll start off clemson at wake wake coming off that 37 36 win over liberty uh that's true they did beat uh vandy and they beat vmi uh clemson coming off wins against equally impressive georgia tech Furman, and louisiana tech i think clemson has just looked better clemson's given seven at wake forest i'll take clemson minus seven Second team, um, another school that's stepping up in competition a little bit. Well, not a little bit, but a lot uh, with Maryland. But Michigan has looked so dominant against bad teams. They're giving up 16 and a half at home in the big house. I think they cover 16 and a half over Maryland. Third game, a bit of a rivalry game inside the state of Texas. Uh, Texas is giving six and a half at Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech off a loss to NC State. Texas, though, still, you know, they're missing their starting quarterback. I think six and a half is too many. I think Texas Tech covers a six and a half point spread. So those are my three picks. Clemson minus seven, Michigan minus 16 and a half, Texas Tech plus six and a half. Okay. Um, All right, Gino, what do you got? I'm going to agree with you on Clemson. I actually like Clemson a lot this week. After my Wake Forest disaster last week, I'm going against Wake Forest this week. Um, I like UCLA minus the 21 and a half at Colorado. Looking for them to, to play well this week. And I'm taking Missouri plus seven at Auburn. Not loving the way Auburn played last week. I'm saying they're going to pl- not play well two weeks in a row. And here we go, Missouri. Darren, what do you got? By the way, I skipped one game for this week. Wisconsin at Ohio State, always a good matchup. Ohio State, 19-point favorite, not touching it. Anyway, um, my three picks for this week, and I, I'm choosing between five games. My number one pick is Ole Miss, laying 21-and-a-half at home against Tulsa. Ole Miss has looked really good, ranked, really solid squad. think that they're going to be able to beat Tulsa by, by four touchdowns or more. Number two, I am going to take Rutgers plus seven and a half at home against Iowa. Don't know if either team will score seven and a half points. It's not a very good offensive matchup. 
I'm hoping to see a 10-7 game, actually. I don't know that Rutgers wins it. I just don't think Iowa scores. So seven and a half seems a lot for two teams that really can't score. And my third game, you know, I'm torn. I have UNC Notre Dame. I have Iowa State Baylor. But I'm going to go with Wazoo. I'm going to say Washington State covers six and a half against Oregon. Washington State, you know, about after they beat one in Camp Randall, they had they beat Colorado State up pretty good this week, which was kind of the letdown opportunity. We're thinking we're better than we are, and they they they, they really kind of wiped the floor with them, thirty-one-seven. I think that Washington State, in probably one of the biggest games at Martin Stadium in a long time, um, is going to sit there. They may not win the game outright, but I do think that they cover. So I will take Wazoo. One thing I want to leave everybody with. The Battle of Dallas-Fort Worth. We have SMU-TCU. Close game. This game's going over 70 and a half. I'm just saying, this game is going over 70 and a half. It's not like I'm saying going over 55. I'm not saying going over 60. This game is going over 70 and a half. There won't be much defense. This game is going to be This game's going to be in the 40s. Um, and that's where I am in college, the politics. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting over to look for as we go into as we start with our NFL picks. So last week, NFL, Darren was one for three. Kevin and I were both zero for three. Uh, Darren three for six on the season. Kev three for six on the season. Gino, unbelievably, is zero for six on the season. Kev, we're gonna let you start this ball rolling. Where are you going first? First off, um, Chiefs laying six and a half at the Colts. We've seen the Colts not look good at all. Chiefs can put up points against anybody. I think six and a half is too low a number here. Chiefs cover by, I think, two touchdowns easily. So Chiefs minus six and a half. Game number two, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, the Battle of the Bays. Buccaneers, we already mentioned Mike Evans is suspended. That was upheld. Other injuries at wide receiver, I mentioned before they signed Cole Beasley. They are hurting a wide receiver. I think the Packers do enough. I've got the Packers plus one. I think the Packers go down to Tampa and win that game. Line at this moment is Green Bay plus one and a half. So you're getting an extra half here. All right. (laughs) And my third game after that big comeback last week, Playing against maybe a desperate, undefeated team who needs to write the ship. But I'm going with my J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 getting five points at home against Cincinnati. I think they, with the way the Cincinnati's offensive line looks, I think the Jets have enough on the defensive line to get to Burrow. And you've seen the emergence of, of uh, Garrett Wilson when they run the ball, we've seen Brees Hall. We've seen Michael Carter be able to put up yards on the ground. I think the Jets are going to, at worst, cover the five-point spread. And Gina might tell me a different line. Nope. But I, I'm going J-E-T-S. Nope. Five, five, five look good this morning, so uh, you're pretty good with that. Okay. Uh, at 0-6, I'm going with the first team, and I'm taking Buffalo. They've steamrolled everybody. I'm trying to go with some picks – just to get me a couple of W's to get going here, I'm taking Buffalo plus, uh, minus the five and a half against Miami. Miami's probably going to give them a good game, but I think in the end, Buffalo's at least a touchdown winner here. Uh, my second game is Baltimore. I think they're unhappy with the result from last week. 
They didn't play well down the stretch of that game last week, but I think that they are a very good team. I don't think New England is that good of a team. I'm taking Baltimore minus the two and a half. And my third game is the Eagles minus six and a half against Washington. I'm going against my Washington command team. I think Philly's just got too much firepower to keep them in check. Those are my three picks for week three. Darren, to you. All right. Again, I'm between five. But my my top pick this week, I'm taking the game a point and a half against the 49ers. At 49 a bandwagon. I think everybody thinks Russell Wilson got old in about five minutes. And I think the Broncos win by a touchdown. I like the Vikings laying six against the uh, against. I think that Minnesota bounces back. I think Detroit's defense is horrendous. I think Minnesota does just enough defensively to win this game by about 10 points. Detroit hasn't played away from home yet. Jared Goff never really makes me feel that comfortable. I'm going with the Vikes. My third pick is going to be opposite my friend Gino. I am taking your commanders to beat the, the Eagles. I think they might win outright, but I'm not doing that. I'm going to take the six and a half points. I think that Philly is playing really, really well. I think the short week, I think that uh, Rivera is a good coach. I think he'll be prepared for what they have to offer. And I think that the fact that the, that the Washington uh, commanders have a really good front four generally might be enough to detract from Hertz and make it a little harder for him, force him to throw. If I'm going to throw in one under just because I am, I think the Titans and the Raiders go over that 45 and a half. I just think that this game will end up being somewhere in the high 20s, just to, just, just to pick for me. Um, but those are my picks for week three of the NFL season. Okay, before we get away from the betting element, uh, my cousin actually said that he loves when we did player props on your former show, Darren. And he asked okay. me if I would do some player props, if I would bring some player props back. So I looked some up. I got a couple for you. Uh, Jalen Waddle okay. score any touchdown plus one thirty five, like that. And then either, and I'm going. I'm on Ross St. Brown. First touchdown scored is plus a thousand right now on the money line. Love that. That's pretty cool. You could also get Justin Jefferson at plus four seventy five. I like that also. And then okay. here is the big one. It's at plus 800, and it's Lamar Jackson, 300 passing yards, 100 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. So those are a couple of player props I'm just throwing out for this week. So, Bryce, uh, well, before we wrap up, Kev, is there anything you want to add before we wrap up here? A couple of retirements this week in the world of sports. Yep. National Hockey League, uh, two defensemen retired, one P.K. Subban, uh, but the other one that I think is more important or touches maybe Gino and I a little bit more as Islander fans, uh, Zidane Chara, tallest man to ever play in the NHL, retires after 24 seasons. Uh, Islander draft pick, played with the Islanders for a couple of years, then went to Boston, won a cup with Boston, played for Washington, came back, played his final season with the Islanders, Paired most of the year with Noah Dobson, who was not born when Chara started playing. Uh, great career for Chara. Probable uh, first ballot, I don't think so, but definitely Hall of Famer. Gina? Agreed. 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 And the other big retirement in the world of sports from, from the world of tennis, Roger Federer announced that he's playing one last doubles tournament 
coming up, and then he's done. Since 2003, when Federer won his first major, 77 majors since, 63 in total won by Nadal, Djokovic, or Federer. Wow. As we know, Nadal's got 22, Joker's got 21, Federer's got 20. Which one is the best player, though? You know, it's Any funny thoughts? when you go through that because Federer started a little before the other two. So Federer had a little the, the, the Federer had a little bit of time. Then Nadal kind of rose up, really winning those Frenches every year. He wasn't winning the other tournaments at first. He was winning the French Open only. And then all of a sudden, Djokovic came on like a like, like a freight train. To me, Federer is the best of the three. I know it seems like weird to say because he has the least of the of the Grand Slams. I just think that that you know he had to go up against uh, Djokovic in his prime and and the doll in his prime, and those guys didn't necessarily have to play Federer in his prime completely all the time. That's just my take. I put, I, I go. Probably I agree with you. I think Federer just knows in the head of Djokovic. I put Nadal third. Nadal, the greatest clay court player in history. 14 of the 22 majors have been on the French Open. So only eight others. Federer's most was the Wimbledon. He won that eight times. So he won the other ones 12 times. More spread out. Djokovic, nine Australians and 12 others. So again, I think more well-rounded performances by Joker and Federer. Federer was just so good. I put him just nose the head of Joker. It's it's really close. I, I put well, McEnroe ahead of all of them, but that's just because I like him the best. It doesn't make sense, but... Uh, we, no, love, we love McEnroe. And Venus generalized because he went to Malloy like we did, uh, Jay. That's all. Any other closing thoughts? Nothing else for me. Just looking forward to the last uh, two weeks of baseball and seeing the Mets can hold Absolutely. off the Braves. You're going to be uh, – and where are you going to be this Saturday, Kev? This Saturday I will be visiting my son at the University of South Carolina. I will be at the game Saturday night at williams Bryce Stadium against the UNC Charlotte football team. Maybe Spencer Rattler decides to show up and play – watching him play – on TV a couple times. I don't know if it's totally the offensive line, just giving him no time, but Rattler seems to like throwing off the back foot an awful lot. <laughs> I you can know, see why it was a tough game against Georgia. Last year. Tough week against Georgia last yeah, week. We'll that was bad. Put it there. Gee, anything you, want, anything you want to add? No, uh, week three NFL is going to look, look good, but is it going to look as good as week two? Probably not after all the craziness last week, but uh, looking forward to some good games in the NFL this week. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We are the Sports Kings Queens. Uh, again, I'm Darren along with Gino and Kevin. Um, you can download us, uh, you know, download our podcast anywhere you get podcasts, whether it be iTunes or TuneIn or Spotify. Um, like us on Facebook. Share us. Write us comments. Let us know that you like us. Let us know that you hate us. Let us know what you want us to talk about more. Let us know what you want to talk about less. I mean, for us, it's just about we like having fun and talking sports. We've been doing this together for a long time. So now we're doing it and uh, hopefully entertaining you while we do this. Um, so all we could wish you is enjoy 
the weekend of, of baseball. Enjoy the weekend of college and pro football. And may your sports teams be with you. Good night, everybody. This has been the Sports Kings from Queens.